This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. We are in a series called Alive. Nudge your neighbor and just ask them, are you alive? Come on. We're doing a series called Alive. And the whole point of this series is to try to understand about what it really means to live our life alive with Christ. And that's a concept that we hear or a thought that we hear all the time. But there's some, there's some meaning, there's some important truths behind it that are so critical to how we live our life. Because how we understand what we're going to talk about today has an ultimate bearing on who you ultimately become and what your life looks like. And so there's this portion of scripture that we're looking at in the book of Ephesians. And we're looking at the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. And it's written by a guy named Paul. Paul's an apostle. He wrote 14 books of the New Testament. And uh, in this particular book, it was one that was written in prison. He had a lot of time to think about things. And so it's probably why it's such an amazing book. It's, to me, I think it's the Maserati or the Rolls Royce of all of his writings. He would also write another pretty cool book called Romans. It would come in a close second in my book. But Ephesians is, is kind of the, the book on the church, the people, and, and who we are in Christ and who Christ is in in us. And He's, he's diving into the second chapter to talk about some, some concepts and some thoughts that he desires every single one of us to live. And with that, there's, there's this common theme that we've been talking about over the last two weeks, and we'll talk about in the coming weeks. And it's this one big thought, and I want you to see it on the screen here. And it's, it's really what alive means, and it means this. It's, it's that your life is meant to be lived from a living center. Let's just stop there for a second. What we're trying to communicate is this, is what you put inside of you and what you live for ultimately determines who you become. If you live a life that's focused on greed and materialism, you're gonna live a, a fairly narcissistic, self-centered life. What comes out of you is a result of what's in you, what's in your heart, what's in your core. Whether you struggle with lust or greed or whether it's anxiety or worry or depression or doubt, whatever you fill yourself with ultimately determines the way you think, the way you believe, ultimately who you become. And so this message and what, what Paul's trying to communicate here is that you should put in you Christ. That when you actually understand what that means to live at your center with Christ being your Lord, your Savior, what comes out of you, and, and Jesus even talks about this, that there's a, a spring of living water. There's something that comes out of you. There's life and vibrancy and purpose and significance and fulfillment. All of those things come out of you because simply you choose to live your life with it in you. And that's the whole point, is that we can understand, if we can grasp this, that we can embrace and have the richness, the fullness of life, alive, living our life in Christ, if we just understand exactly what Paul's saying. Here's an unfortunate, shocking statistic. 94% of all Christians, if you do the math, 94 minus 100 equals 6. 94% of all Christians today say this, I don't understand the reason why I exist. Think about that, 94%.
You, you translate that, and again, if you were just to take that in regards to all of our nation, 288 million people are sucking air on planet Earth, but they don't know why. And I have to ask myself the question when I think about that, why is there such a problem? What's going on? Why is it there's only a few that are part of the, the 6% club? When I think of 6%, and again, it, it's a significant number. It can apply to other things too. I mean, I think of 6% and I think about, well, to me, it means the percentage of my body fat. I mean, there's some things that can mean to me 6% body fat. Yeah. Those of you that aren't smiling actually believe that's true, and thank you for believing in me. The rest of you will just kind of look above and beyond you. It also uh, stands for the number of hairs on my head. Isn't that awesome? It also stands for the number of children I still want to have. My wife says, don't think so. It actually even stands for the number in IQ that I'm above Walter. I mean, it's just, there's, there's a lot of things that this number stands for. Unfortunately, more significantly, it stands for the percentage of people that really understand what we're talking about. Here's the big challenge with this, is even though 6% may understand it, there's few that live it. And so Paul himself, he's, he's choosing to hone in on something that means something to every person that has ears to hear. He's basically saying this, you don't have to live the way you're living. You don't have to live a life of worry and doubt. You don't have to always struggle with depression, insignificance, hopelessness. You don't have to live that way. He says, you can live your life alive. And so this is where he's taking us in this journey. He's trying to help us understand that there's something here that's for every person that calls upon the name of God, that they can live this thing that Jesus talked about in John 10, 10, that we can live life and we can live life to the full. We can live an abundant life. This is what Paul's talking about here. And so as we started this journey a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Frank begin to hone in on verses one through three. And we're teaching this particular series expositionally, meaning we're walking through this verse by verse and teaching verse by verse. Pastor Frank started by helping us understand that our life without Christ was a big mess. In fact, our life without Christ, we were hopeless, we were dead We were sabotaged by Satan. We were manipulated by our flesh. We were captivated by demonic powers that without Christ, our life was a hopeless, dark, dead state. That's a pretty tough message. What Paul was trying to communicate was this, is that if you don't understand the problem, the solution means very little to you. And so he starts out by saying, listen, you are messed up, you're dead, You're lost, it's hopeless, nothing you can do about it. And the greater the degree that we understand our lostness helps us to more appreciate what God has done in us and for us. And so the second message, which we did last week and did it via simulcast to you guys, we talked about this whole idea of 
what God has done for you. He brought his rich mercy. He brought his great love and he brought his amazing grace to all of us so that we don't have to live dead. We don't have to be separated from God. We can actually be forgiven and set free and whole. So we talked all about this last week, which really sets us up for this week. We're going to look at verses 6 through 10 in Ephesians. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. And as you're turning there, I want to, I want to point out the four things that we're going to talk about today. And you're going to find that, that Paul's trying to communicate to you and I Four incredible truths. And this is exactly what we're going to find out about who God thinks you are, what he thinks about you. And there's something about stating this with our own lips, reading it and owning it. So I want you to read these four statements along with me, because this is what we're going to unpack today in these four verses. Would you say them with me? Come on, say I am magnificently loved. Say it with some passion. Come on. I am magnificently loved. I am majorly significant. I am majestically made. And I am marvelously called. Some of us say that, but we don't believe it. But what we find is that Paul begins to Bring revelation your way to help you understand that this is really, really, really what God thinks about you and who you really are. Not who your friend says you are, your parent, your spouse, your cousin, the devil, your flesh, whatever it is. This is who God thinks you are. So let's look at this, verses 6 through 10. If you have your Bibles, you could turn there. How many people actually have downloaded the notes, 31, 31, 31, and you, you have it right now. You got it this morning. Wave your phone at me. Say, oh, yeah, I got my phone. Come on. Look at them. Dozens and dozens of people. I want to encourage you to do that. As you look at these even this morning, you even have the video footage that you're going to see the stories today. You're going to see those. Please don't play them during the service, by the way. We'll know who you are. We know where you live. But we want to make sure that you have all of that stuff. So there's a lot of stuff in there. If you want to download the notes and go along with this, you just type in 313131, type in the word notes, bam, it's in front of you. It's very cool. I'm so excited about it. So I'd like to read it from there, but I won't. But anyhow, okay, so you got your Bibles, your smartphones, whatever it is, you can follow on the screen. This is what Paul says. He says, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Notice all of the raised us, seated us, united us terminology. So God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece or workmanship. For he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things or the good works that he has planned for us long ago. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. 
Lord, I'm asking you right now, Lord, for every person that hears my voice in this room, in the cafe, Lord, even those that will listen online. Lord, we're thanking you, Father, that your word is rich. Lord, I pray that every person that hears the word today would be transformed, that they would leave different than they came in. So open their ears to hear what you're saying to them personally. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, amen. So let's jump in and look at these four thoughts this morning. The first thing that Paul begins to unpack for us is this idea that I am magnificently loved. Now, keep in mind, if you jump back last week or if you read back to verse four, he's saying everything that we're gonna talk about on the premise that with his great love, he loved us. And so there's some things that are gonna begin to unfold here that Paul's trying to let us know that have everything to do with the way that he loves us. Here's what I find out about love, is the more that you actually love someone, the more that you're willing to do something for them, to sacrifice for them. The greater the love, the greater the sacrifice. And you're gonna begin to see this unpacked as Paul begins to talk about some of the things that Jesus has done for you, not just for us, but for you. The first thing he says is this, is that he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Stop and think about that for a moment. You were dead and he saved you. I remember hearing the story of a man named Jerry Burdett walking along the beach in Southern California with his wife. It was sunset. As they're walking down the beach, three young kids were playing in the water, drifted out, were drowning. They got caught in a riptide and were pulled out. Jerry jumped in, swam out, got the first kid, brought him back in, dropped him off, jumped back in, got the second kid. By that time, the third kid had drifted far out, completely exhausted, not even knowing who these kids were, jumped back in, swam out beyond the waves, grabbed this kid, brought him back in, just got him to the edge of the wave where he could come in. The boy was saved. Jerry Burdett would drown. They would never see him again. And I think about that story. I think about a guy that sacrificed and gave everything because he loved. When you look at this scripture and you think about you being dead, it's mind-boggling to think that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, was up there and would leave there in the form of a man called Jesus and come and die for you so that you could live. Paul's trying to help you understand that God gave everything. Why? Because he loved. For God so loved you that he gave everything. And it's so often that we doubt how much we're loved. Well, you know, I don't know if God loves me. You know, there's lots of people, Mark, last time I checked about 7 billion, you know, 62 million, 432, wait, 33, wait, 34. I mean, there's just lots of people out there. And I mean, billions, how could God? You're magnificently loved. This is what Paul's trying to communicate to us is that just as he allowed Christ to go to the grave and be risen again, and now he's, it says in uh, Revelation 1.18 that he holds the keys of hell and death and he's alive forevermore. 
The same God that raised Jesus from the dead is rising you from the dead and placing you with Christ. Someone's got to just right there say amen somewhere, somehow. Come on, you are dead and you're alive. Why? Because he loved you. Recently, I was able to watch this interview. It's a lengthy interview of a young lady that talks about a very devastating account of her and her husband being caught in this tornado. And as you watch this whole interview, which we're not going to be able to, I want to show you a few clips. Her husband actually lost his life saving his wife. And it's in this count, she begins to reflect this portion of the interview about her perspective of her husband's love for her. And I want you to watch this for one reason and one reason only. I want you to think about how you think about what God did for you and how much you appreciate the love that he has for you. Let's watch this video right now. I mean, the house was ripping apart. I honestly, it just happened so fast and all the pillows were flying off of us. The only thing I managed to do was keep one just right in front of my face. Don Lansaw, a former high school football star and the love of Bethany's life, threw his body over hers as their house and their world was being ripped apart. He covered you. He just has so much love in his heart. And you know, people keep saying that he wouldn't have wanted it any other way, but if I, if I could have taken twice as much damage just to have him alive, I would have. And uh, he got on top of me to take the brunt of most of it. And you know, he's, he's my hero. He's, It's a powerful thought. I mean, just that she comes to this place and in tears and she says, he's my hero. I mean, I, 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 really, I really get what he did for me. It's, it's in the understanding of what Christ has done for you that you understand your value. Yeah, that's right. That you understand, listen, he gave everything. He gave it all. And that's where he wants us to step back and realize, wait a second, I'm not junk. I'm magnificently loved by him. And Paul takes it one step further. He says, listen, not only were you just raised by him, but he, he goes on and he says this, and you were seated with him in heavenly realms. When you look at that word seated in the Greek, it means this, caused us to sit down with someone, listen, in a special chair with one in eminence. So it's not like, hey, why don't you come in, find a seat. It's like, hey, why don't you come in, all of you back off. This is a seat right here for a special person. 
Not for you, for this person. It's a special chair. It's kind of special. It's special. It's really special. Again, Paul's trying to say, you're special. You're magnificently loved that there's a place that you're going to be seated. It's not like he's out doing other things. You are seated with him, with Christ. You are sitting with him in heavenly realms, place of authority and anointing and favor and blessing. Everything that the kingdom has, you have. Why? Because you're with him. You're seated with him. Right now, your life is seated with him. That's what he's trying to communicate to us and just saying, this is how important and how special you are. I mean, I've given you VIP seating. I mean, come on, how many like VIP seating? Don't, let's, just, let's be carnal for a second. That's half of you. The rest of you got a spirit aligned. Come on. How many just like, you go somewhere and it's kind of like valet parking. Okay, cool. Going to park, go to a restaurant. Yeah, I've got the little table in the corner We all like that. There's something built into us because it makes us feel magnificent, significant. It makes us feel loved. You know, my my, uh, aunt took me to the Academy Awards uh, just year before last. It was a bucket list thing. Um, It was great for the day. Glad it was done. But man, it was unbelievable, surreal going through it. And I remember pulling up with the limousine right before the red carpet and all the cameras and we get out and walking down the red carpet. It's kind of like, yeah, you don't know who I am, but you might think I'm a real big guy, you know, just waving and people taking cameras. And here comes Tom Hanks and here's Pharrell and here's Bono from U2 and everybody's got like, oh yeah, you know, it was just, it was this real cool moment. And I remember sitting in the very front section and there's all these people around me and I'm going, man, this is awesome, man. Man, yeah, VIP, Mark, big deal, right? And I think about that and then I think, wait a minute, what's heaven gonna be like? Stop it. Paul's trying to say, you're hanging out and it's kind of like kumbaya at the campfire and there's Peter and Paul and Ruth and Esther and Moses and Elijah and Elisha and Samuel and Paul. It's kind of like, oh yeah. I mean, you're just hanging out with everybody. It's like, wow. Man, I read about you. Did you read about me? I mean, you're seated with him. And by the way, with Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to pump anything up. I'm not trying to over-dramatize scripture. I'm trying to be true to the text here. You've been seated in a special chair with one of eminence, and his name is Jesus Christ. That is what he's telling you today. Are you loved? Yes, magnificently. Special chair. Man, I get so excited about these, these portions of scripture. How about this? He raised us, he then seated us, and then he united us. That word united actually means to be one with or in union, joined closely to. It actually means that you've been made one with Christ. There's something that happens supernatural when Christ comes and lives in you. He's no longer some kind of external, historical, prophetic teacher that we read about. He comes and he he lives in you. We're always praying, oh, Jesus, come. He's going, ah, hello, I'm already here. I mean, he's just, he's already in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. Everything that you need is in you. How much does he love you? I'm gonna dwell in you forever. 
I'm never gonna leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will always be there for you. I am your strength. I'm your comfort. I'm your helper. I'm your ever-present help in time of need. I'm your rear guard. I'm your high tower. I am your all in all. Why? Because I'm with you. And so he's, he's painting this picture just saying, guys, you are magnificently loved. There's some of you here this morning that still don't believe that. My prayer for you, whether you're here, the cafe, online, wherever you're at, listen to me, please. Trust him at his word. Stop listening to the lies. Stop listening to the devil. Say, God, thank you. Like the girl on the video, recognize what he did for you and embrace it. And Paul takes it one more step and he says, not only are you magnificently loved, but you're also majorly significant. In other words, you're kind of a big deal. It's kind of what this, this whole thing is, is that he's trying to let you know that the thoughts about you that you have, that you're average, that you're insignificant, you're just kind of a plain vanilla, definitely not salt and straw, but you're just kind of plain vanilla ice cream, right? It's a lie. One of the biggest things that I see in talking with people today and counseling them, one of the biggest struggles that humanity faces is insignificance. Don't feel valued, don't feel worth, don't feel important, don't feel accepted, don't feel like I belong, don't feel significant. Paul comes back and listen to what he says. I mean, this, 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 every word just, is, just gets better. He says this. He's done all this. So he's raised you, he's seated you, he's united you. It says, so God can point to us in all future ages as example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. I love that portion of scripture. I mean, I got stuck on it this week for just an hour in prayer, just thinking about it. God is pointing at me. So God can point to us for who to see all the future ages. He's so excited about you and what he's doing in you. He's going, that's my boy right there. Look at him. Man, that's him. It's my boy. That's right. It's my girl. That, that's what this is saying. He's that God's pointing to us for all the world to see the work, not just you, but the work of Christ in you and the magnificent transformation that's taking place. He goes, check them out. They're awesome. Thank you for the one amen. <laughs> my goodness. You know, my wife and I, we, We've had the wonderful privilege of raising a couple uh, developmentally disabled boys. We adopted them both at birth. And it's been a journey raising these, these two boys. And um, they've been just a, a big part of our life. And, you know, throughout the journey, um, there's probably one predominant thing that I had felt as I was around a lot of people, not necessarily those in the church, but outside the church, is they just, they think lesser of that community, developmentally disabled kids, 
Yeah, they're lovely, but you know, they'll never amount to much. Now let's just put them on that bus or that classroom and, you know, kind of. And um, I, I never thought that for Kyle. I remember putting, to Kyle, uh, putting Kyle to bed every night. And I'd, I'd tell him a story every single night of his life until he went to New Hope Farms. And I'd tuck him in and I'd tell him stories about being a champion or taking out a robber or saving someone in the water. And every day he goes, Dad, Dad, who's that? I said, that's you, Kyle. He goes, me? I said, yeah, you're the champion. He goes, yeah, I'm a champion, right? You know? So I always wanted to help him feel like he was significant. And uh, he got involved in Special Olympics. And uh, he actually went to the very top tier of Special Olympics. And it turned out that he was a pretty good athlete. He could run pretty fast. I mean, he's, he'd just go, Dad, lightning fast. He got him some spikes on his shoes. He got, Dad, spikes, lightning fast. I mean, he just, he was just, everywhere he just wanted to run, 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 run all the place. But he was a pretty quick kid. And so he ended up running. He took state finals, Western regional finals. I mean, he, there's one guy that had won seven uh, 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 gold medals seven years in a row. He beat the guy. Dad smoked him. Dad smoked him, you know. And he's just, <laughs> I won't fill in the rest of the story, but it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just so cool to see him. And uh, he had the privilege. They picked uh, six, six guys out of the entire Western United States to run at the Olympic trials. And uh, here, here's a dream for any athlete to be involved in the Olympic trials, to go to the Olympics. And I remember when, when it was down at Hayward Field and um, the stand was packed with thousands of people that had all the, all the uh, different uh, seats put all the way around it and stuff. And I'll never forget when the announcer goes, and ladies and gentlemen, in aisle number four, lane number four, Kyle Estes. And he put his hands up and I'm just going, Woo! And that's my boy, that's him right there. Hey, 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 that's him right there. Estes, E-S-T-E-S. That's him, that's me, my boy. Man, that's just him. That's him, he's the man, right? Whoa. You do this, you go, oh man, that's a little extreme. You do the same thing too. The only difference is your kid wasn't there. No, just kidding. I'm just teasing. My was, man, he was. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, no, I'm dead serious. Your, your kid wasn't there. <laughs> he was, he was. He then got selected. They went and they picked uh, six to 12 people out of the entire state of Oregon as model citizens for the year. He won a governor's award with the four governors. This is Kulingowski giving him one of the, the awards. And I look at that and I just go, that's my boy. That's my boy. Guys, this is what Paul's saying. When he looks at you, that's my boy. Right there. There he is. That's him. It's my girl. All the future ages, he's, he's pointing, saying, look at him. Look at them. And we come back to the question, am I significant? Absolutely, emphatically, capital three letters, Y-E-S, exclamation point, not comma, yes, you are. If we don't get this, guys, we won't live life alive. 
we'll be part of the 94% club. If we keep believing the lie, you'll live life the way that you think. Proverbs 23, seven says this. It says, just as a man thinks, so is he. Well, I'm just average. You'll live an average life. Well, I'll never amount to anything. You're right, you never will. Why? Because you actually believe the lie. What Paul is saying to us, you wanna live life alive? Know that you're significant. Know that you're magnificently loved. Know that you're significant. Know that you're magnificently loved. Know that you're significant. God looks at you. He says, you're my boy, you're my girl. He then says this, by the way, he says, not only has he placed us, but then he's graced us. And he, somewhere along the line, we've got to be careful we don't get in the middle of this because he's, he's wanting us to understand this thought that, you know what? God saved you by his grace when you believed. And it says, you can't take any credit for it. There, there's a place in our life, if we can get, where we understand all of these truths and you realize it's not what I have done but it's what he has done. Paul said this in Galatians 2.20. He says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. He says, I'm a walking dead man. I'm dead, but he's alive. He gets all the credit. I don't. When we live there, there's something that happens in us that allows us to have the full expression of a life alive. I'm magnificently loved. I'm majorly significant. He goes on and he says the third thing here. And he says that I am majestically made. And I chose that word because it's really speaking of divine. Divinely made. Made of royalty. And when Paul comes back and he says this, you've got to understand the, 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 the Greek words, the, the, the terminology that he's pulling out. He's using these, these very special handcrafted words. He's, he's, again, in jail, having a lot of time to think about it. And he's going, no, I got to use the right word here because when they see that, they'll understand the bigger picture. And he says, for we are God's masterpiece. Other translations would say workmanship. And here's the idea of what this word means. It, it, it has the idea that you have, a, have made a piece of art or some kind of work, it's completed, and you step back from your work and you look at it and you go, oh, oh yeah, that's good. That's, no, I did that. So this is, it's kind of blue ribbon, best of show. You're walking, it's like, wow, who did that? I did that. I did that. When he says, you are his workmanship, you're the best of show. I did that. I did you. I made you. And it, it has this thought, catch this too, because we can't confuse these things. It, it, it talks about finished end product done. It's not like, oh, you know, going to a car lot and there's all these cars out on the lot and they're beautiful Mercedes and there's this one car that doesn't have any paint on it, no windows, no engine, no seats in it. And you kind of go, yeah, that's me. 
Now he goes, no, you're, man, you're, you're fully loaded. I mean, you're like, man, you got, man, nav and man, I mean, cruise control and man, you've got electric seats. That's you right there. Come on, guys. I mean, Paul's just going, man, I just got it. It's, it's this word. It's like masterpiece. It's like, wow. It's like, wow, look what he's done. That's what he wants us to think. The emphasis is on what he did, not even what you've done or what he's doing. That's works. Workmanship is complete. Best to show on the easel, step back, you're hot. Don't, don't, do you ever, you ever do that when you get in the mirror? I'll just kind of be vulnerable for a second. Sometimes I, I, I walk in the morning, I get up in the morning, there's the mirror, and I look at it, I go, whoa! I, whoo! I stumble me. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, you just kind of look, you just stop for a second and just go, man, I just, look at the work of art here. I mean, I'm just, man, I'm hot, man. I don't, I don't even take steroids. I'm naturally built this way. I mean, just, I don't do that. I do the opposite. You kind of go, man. Think about my life and in your, in your mind, you're thinking about some of the mistakes you've made and things and all of a sudden you just kind of go, ah, I'm not that very, I'm not very good. Not that good. Don't feel that good. Best of show. Michelle Buck, best of show. God, help us. I want to live life alive. I'm majestically made. You read Psalms 139. It talks about how he made you in, in your mother's womb. You start reading. If, you ever, if you're ever discouraged about you, read Psalm 139. Talking about you're wonderfully made. He, one translation says, wow, I'm breathtaking. And I close with this one last thought is that I'm marvelously called. Let me just put a pause on what we've talked about. Let's go back three weeks. Let me just set up this point because you got to get this. Don't, don't, don't check out right here. We talked about being lost and dead. He gave us his rich mercy, his great love, his amazing grace. We now walk into this week and we start seeing, wow, he's raised us and he's seated us and united us and placed us and graced us and he's done a lot of things for us. And then Paul throws this beautiful thought on the backdrop of all of that and he says, so, so, everything I've set up to now, so, 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 so here we go, here we go. I said all that I said so far to get you to this one point. So we can do good things, another translation, probably truer to the right language, good works he's planned for us long ago. Verse nine, you are saved by grace, not by works. So we got that straight. Okay, I'm not saved by works. What Paul Sanders says, we got that clear, but let me get one other thing clear. We're not gonna get too far from what I just said, but you are saved for works. 
You're not saved by it, but you're saved for it. You aren't just saved to go to heaven. If so, go. Just go right now. I mean, we could work it out. Come up here, bam, you can go to heaven, you know, but it's like you weren't just saved to go to heaven. You're not just saved, okay, got that, check, okay, got grace, okay, boom. Now, a lot of people will live that way. I'm sure they're going to get to heaven. You'll know who those people are by the gate marks on their rear. It's kind of like, woo, just, woo, just got in there, woo, God, right? Paul is trying to say, listen, I've done this incredible work in your life. I've loved you and I've died for you and I've filled you and seated you and placed you and graced you. I've done all that stuff. Why? So I can point to them and let the world see what it looks like of me working in them doing great things for me. Listen, every single one of you in this place, you got a call on your life. You've got a purpose for your life. There's no one like you. God made you unlike any other person. Newsflash, stop trying to be like other people. No wonder you're so miserable. It's because you try to be like others when you're supposed to just be you. Be you. Be who God created you to be. Find out what that means and go serve and give and love and, and dedicate your life to living life beyond yourself. If we can understand these things that, God, I'm loved and I'm significant and I'm called and you're doing all these things in my life, you made me this way. All of a sudden, we begin to feel something inside going, man, I, I kind of feel alive. Why? Because you're living beyond yourself, not for yourself to close this morning with, with just another video of a gentleman that actually attends our church. He's now on staff doing great things for God in our children's ministry. If you follow his journey, he would be a guy a lot like many of us here. He's had a tough upbringing. In fact, probably more extreme than a lot of us. Parents were drug addicts, ate out of trash cans, homeless, went into foster care. But these thoughts, again, he, he could preach this sermon better than I could because it shows you when a guy that's at the guttermost puts him in his life, he can move to the uttermost. And I want you to watch this story of a great man. His name's Craig James of exactly what God did in his life. And hopefully it speaks to you. Let's watch this video together. Craig, and who I am today is not a good reflection of who I used to be. Jesus has changed everything. So when I was a kid, my mom and dad were addicted to drugs and alcohol, and they split up when I was about four years old. I went to live with my mom, and she was still addicted to drugs and alcohol and just kind of run us through, um, just through all of her habits. We had no choice but to go with her wherever she went. When I was about, it was about six, we had a, a younger brother, a middle sibling, he died. And I think that really just wrecked my parents. So after that, my mom, you know, went heavier into drugs, heavier into alcohol, uh, which led to us being homeless. We were living off of lesser things. I remember my parents going and getting food out of the trash can and feeding it to us. And we were happy to have it. It was horrible. I remember as a, a teenager, you know, 
I, I was looking back on my past going, there's not really much that I want to repeat. A lot of people look to their parents as their example. That's how mom and dad did it. That's how I'll do it. But they didn't really set me up with a good example. And I remember just being hopeless, feeling worthless. Uh, I'd, been, I'd seen other kids who had you know, good family life, and I, I wanted that, but I didn't know how to get it. I remember when I first got saved, I was reading through the book of John. Um, the pastor said, you should read this book. This is where you should start as a new believer. And I remember reading John 8 and reading the woman caught in adultery and how all these people thought that she was worthless, that she didn't deserve to live. And I remember reading that and Jesus saying, neither do I count you as worthless. And I remember taking that story and just applying it to my life that Jesus, he had a hope. He had a future for me, and he didn't count me as worthless. When I think about where I'm at now, you know, I think God, is, he's, he's taught me how to be a man. He's taught me how to be a husband. I never thought I'd ever be married, ever. You know, it's where I'm at now is, it's by no word of any man that I didn't do it, God did it. And I don't deserve where I'm at now. I mean, it's just this incredible free gift. I'm living the dream because of what Jesus did. He's given me this gift of seeing the, the hardest part of my life, and now he's healed all these hurts and he's healed all these pains, and I'm able to go help other people. And that's what I want to do. I want to uh, just share the love of Christ with people because Jesus really has changed everything. Anybody that would be in this room, the cafe, watching online, anywhere, hears my voice. The opportunity just to make a step. Just like in the story of Craig here, felt hopeless, lost, dead, gave his life to Christ and everything came alive. I want to let you know it's impossible to live life alive without Christ in your center. That's what this series is all about. It starts with Christ living in you. The only way that you can get life is by recognizing that Christ needs to live in you. And the Bible talks about this idea that we have sin in our life and that because of sin, we're separated from God. What we've been talking about is that Jesus came and he died because he loved you individually. He gave his life, he died on a cross and paid the penalty for your sin so that you didn't have to. And then he comes back and here's the kicker, he made it so simple, he said, if you would just accept me into your life as Lord and Savior, I'll forgive you of your sin, I'll come and live inside of you, I'll give you a new start, I'll give you a new life. I've done my part, you do your part. And I want to give you that opportunity today if you're here and can hear my voice, any person, and you say, today, Mark, I would like to give my life to Christ. 
Would you just slip up your hand so I could just see it with every eye closed and every head bowed. Just slip your hand up where I could see it. Anybody at all? Say, Mark, today's my day. Anybody at all? Anybody at all in this room? Come on, just put your hand up. Bible says all the angels in heaven rejoice when a soul saved. I don't know if there's anybody in the cafe. Is there anybody at all? Just lift up their hand. Give you one more second. Anyone at all? All right. Let me ask a second question then. This morning we, we heard about these, these four God thoughts for us being loved and significant, made and called. Be honest with yourself for a second this morning and say, you know, that's there's probably one thing that you touched on today that I've struggled with or I'm struggling with. I want to pray for you before we close. So if you're here and you're saying, you know, I really have not really felt loved as much as I should or don't feel significant, I don't feel called or made, would you just slip your hand up? Just be honest with Jesus to say, hey, Mark, you're talking to me. I just put your hand up. I want to pray for you. Great hands all over. Thank you so much. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to go ahead and finish and close in prayer. You can stand in the cafe and let's pray this prayer together. Maybe put your hands on your heart and let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you that you loved me. Thank you that you care for me. Thank you that you feel that I'm significant. Help me today, Lord, to follow you, to believe your word. Jesus, help me, God, to feel significant in your eyes. Lord, help me to understand that you made me and that you called me to do great things for you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together for Jesus one more time? That's awesome.